News Talk 1110-993 WBT. The Pete Callender Show. I'm the Pete. And uh, this is the show. 704-570-1110-1800 WBT-1110. And uh, the email is Pete at the thepetecallendershow.com. So uh, the county... Public Health Director Dr. Renard Washington gave a presentation at the last county commission meeting, and uh, there was word in advance that uh, there was go- like a couple weeks back that they were putting together a presentation to prove that the mask mandates in Mecklenburg County have been effective. Okay, they were going to prove this to us. All right, and so this presentation the other day. Is and I have it. The PowerPoint. It's it's got pictures and some graphs, and they've got uh, six studies that they cite. He says um, he knows the mask mandate is controversial. He understands and he appreciates the feedback that he has gotten from the public, and he supports public engagement in all of these decisions. But. I will say our mission with this mandate, with all of our mitigation measures, really are to protect health in this community, mm-hmm. uh, particularly to protect the most vulnerable and to, to reduce the impact of the pandemic on our community. Um, there are several studies that are listed here. I won't go into detail about them, but suffice it to say, uh, I wanted to just make sure that uh, board members had asked for information about what studies we have relative to the mass mandates and their impact in communities. Uh, and so uh, there are several studies across uh, counties and states and school districts and other settings that demonstrate that masks do in fact, uh, mask mandates do in fact increase compliance or adherence to mask wearing, thereby reducing the risk of transmission or the level of transmission in a community. Uh, no analysis has shown that mask mandates eliminate transmission, and that was never our point, uh, that we were going to completely stop COVID from spreading in the community because we had a mask mandate. We recognize there are multiple measures that need to be in place, and frankly, people also have to comply with those measures. Okay, so two years in, now we get word. Um, no, they're, they never said that this was going to stop it. Are you for real right now? So first off, he presents the motive. Right, which is they're mo- they are motivated by a desire to save lives. That's why they're doing this. That's it's not anything other than that, and that mask mandates increase compliance. Increase compliance saves the lives, reduces the transmission. We can't eliminate it, but it reduces transmission. Okay. Um, as part of the study. They did not look at any of the costs. All six of the studies that they have in their presentation here were all prior to Omicron. And he does point this out. There's no reckoning of the costs that the masks incur. They made the decision to implement the mandate because Governor Cooper would not. He talked about this as well that Cooper did not do a statewide mask mandate, and so Mecklenburg County did. They then attached a percent positive metric as the goalpost. And then, remember, it was, it was originally like 30 days, and then they realized, okay, we cannot, we cannot possibly hit that goalpost anytime soon, so then they took it down to five days. They reduced that, uh, that metric rather than eliminate it. 
they tied to this metric the county at that time. And now there is no way to break that. This is part of the problem, or this is like largely the problem that they have, is that they could not just undo the metric and by reducing it, but keeping the 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 metric of percent positive, just reducing the time frame, they kind of doubled down on it. So it remains as the goalpost metric. Any movement off of that is going to be seen as a sign of surrender, particularly to the branch Covidians, right? The the cult like followers, the people that you can't rationalize with them, you can't talk with them. The, the reason and logic left town two years ago. They are in full-blown hysterical panic, okay? And as the polling indicates, they tend to be on the left. I don't know if the politics informs the mindset or if it's the mindset that then informs the politics. I don't know, and frankly, I really don't care. I do know that because this Board of Health is the county commission, and therefore they are elected, uh, they are beholden to a larger portion of that population than people on the political right than Republicans would be, which makes it all of our business now because we're being governed by Democrats, right? We don't get any representation on that body. That's a completely Democratic body. Democrats control the Board of County Commissioners. Every single seat is theirs. Republicans, libertarians, limited government people like me, zero representation on that body. I get nothing. Okay. So now, yes, it is very important to me to find out who's actually dictating these policy terms. And if it's the all Democrat Board of Health, county commissioners, and they're using a goalpost of percent positive and they're using a five day window for it. With the hopes that maybe we'll get to the five days. Maybe we can achieve that. But by the way, if you get to 5%, you know that's still not good enough. It's got to be under 5%. I do wonder, though, if you get close, do you abandon it? I don't know how you do. If you're, there, there's no, as I mentioned earlier, the off-ramp, we've already blown past it. It was with the schools and the young kids, and you didn't take it. So I don't know how you take an off-ramp now. Now, uh, Dr. Washington goes on uh, uh, in this study or to, uh, in this analysis. It's not a study, by the way. His presentation is not a study. He presents six studies, and of course he tells everybody, read the studies. But he compares the average daily case rates by face mask requirements. And I'm looking here, um, and he's got the, the beginning of the, uh, the uh, Omicron surge, and you know what the difference here is somewhere in the neighborhood of the places that have a mask advisory? They're somewhere in the neighborhood of about uh, 35 cases per day. And, yeah, about 35 cases a day. And the mask mandate is somewhere in the neighborhood of about, oh, looks like, and I'm just trying to read his graph here, probably about 30 cases a day. And the counties that have no mask mandate is 41 cases a day. These are cases, by the way. Just cases, not deaths. Cases. And he says, we would have had an extra 187 cases per day. He does no extrapolation of how many deaths, just case rates. Which, by the way, we're also being told we need to move away from the measurement of case counts because 
It's just a, it, it's just one metric. And he said earlier in the presentation as well that every data point has its limitations. But then he proceeds to rely on two data points that have serious limitations. Oh, I know. There I go again. I'm just I'm nitpicking here. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. One of the things to keep in mind on this uh, report that the public health director for Mecklenburg County issued at the last county commissioner's meeting is that uh, the first uh, few data points that he goes over uh, are all pre-Omicron. And so while the first chart he has shows Mecklenburg County with a 26, uh, av- 26.1 average daily case rate figure, and that is lower than the surrounding counties that don't have mask mandates in place. So this is being cited from September through December, those two months or so, three months, that our case rates were lower. The daily case rate was lower, okay, 26.1. And around us, it was like 37.8 in Union. Uh, Cabarrus was like 34.8, Rowan 39.8, Iredell 42, Catawba 40, Lincoln 45, Gaston 45, York County 37, uh, Stanley County 47. So we were below. But when you look at the trend lines, by the way, the trend lines are identical. They're both they're both dropping off of a peak that came before the September time frame. Right. Coming out of summer. So they're both coming from a uh, they're they're both trending down, 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 down. And then Thanksgiving and then they start going back up again. Same trend line. But Mecklenburg's daily case rate was lower. Okay, but then they did an estimate from December through January end of January. And get this during Omicron, Mecklenburg County had an additional 205 cases per day compared to no mask mandate counties. What, what does that mean? There's more. So when our numbers went back up, we ended up going up more. This is the th- like we were below. And by the way, this doesn't take into account vaccination status because Earlier on, when you're measuring before, if you've got a county like Mecklenburg that's higher, uh, that has a higher vaccination status than, say, uh, you know, Cabarrus or Stanley County, then one would expect to see more cases. No. But then Omicron shows up and everybody who has been vaccinated still is getting Omicron. So then you're so in other words, it's like a think of it like a balloon. And you're just squeezing different sides of the balloon. The the amount of air stays the same. You're just moving it from one point to the other. See, like, I I could spike the football and say, aha, see, during Omicron, the mask mandate doesn't work. Just like they're saying that it did work because the front end of their analysis showed a lower daily case count. They just, they're squeezing one side of the balloon. I look at it as viruses are going to virus. Omicron might be the best thing. It really might be because it's it is generally milder in most people. Folks who have gotten the shots tend to have an easier time getting past it. We are all that survive it are getting um, uh, natural immunity and the fatality risk is very, very, very low. So in other words, like we're all getting vaccinated through natural immunity from it. Even those of us who got the shots. Darity.
John, welcome to the program. Hello, John. How are you? Doing good. How about you? Hey, I'm well. What's uh, up? Good. Uh, just listen to your thoughts on this, uh, you know, get tested and the rates and everything. My suggestion is all the healthy people go and get uh, tested and we'll, <laughs> and then with that negative test, it'll lower the uh, rate down. Which is one of the limitations of using the percent positivity metric is that you're 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 messing with the the data inputs and yeah if you end up with that kind of uh uh you know mass movement towards uh getting tested then you would see some of that borne out now i don't know like it would have to be a pretty big campaign i would imagine but i don't know because i don't know how many tests they're actually running on people yeah yeah because if you can yeah, if it's a small enough denominator, yeah, you definitely could influence that. John, I appreciate the call, I, sir. Yeah, you could. You could definitely influence that uh, that outcome if the denominator is, if you're, you know, the, the number of people that are going for the tests is not a large enough pool. Sure. Um, do I have time for that? Yeah, let me play this next clip. This is the uh, Director of Public Health, Dr. Reynard Washington. We obviously are still in the middle of the surge, but wanted to do an analysis up until the point that we had data available to be able to share uh, what we've seen so far. And of course, this is a rough analysis that we've done in the department to help us understand the impact and to be able to facilitate some of the discussion we're having about the mandate. Uh, I will point out a few caveats. Uh, the differences, of course, that we saw relative to Omicron is that it does look like the case, case, case count in Mecklenburg County or the case rate has been higher than has been in the counties around us that do not have a mass mandate or an advisory in place. Um, there are some caveats to that, though, and I think that there's a lot of analysis that we still need to do as we move forward and as we come out of our surge and those counties come out of their surge as well. Uh, the first one is that Omicron started in Mecklenburg County before those counties, and so certainly our surge started before the other counties, and so they are a little bit behind us in terms of where they are in their surge. And so the point at which we did this analysis could be a reflection of, is, is, is impacted by the fact that many of those counties still have higher rates today than we do. Uh, and so at the time of this analysis, our rates were higher, but today those rates do look a little bit differently. Uh so one of the other things, though, is that it's possible that because all of the surrounding counties had higher rates prior that their residents now have immunity and so now maybe they're not contracting at the rate we were so what i mean there are all sorts of ways to look at the data that we we're not sure of yet and i i agree with him in his you know caution let's not read too much into all of these things there are some caveats here we should keep in mind yes absolutely nuance absolutely which is what i'm arguing for on the mask mandate and tying it to a single metric might not be the best route here news talk 11 10 and 99.3 wbt a new study published by the southern medical journal the smj as i like to call it it's actually not a new study no it's not it's from a couple months ago and it found, actually, that mask mandates failed to reduce COVID deaths, hospitalizations, or cases. Yeah, that's what it found. That did not make it into the Mecklenburg County Public Health Director's uh, cited studies for some reason. The study was published after a countywide mask order in Bear County, Texas, not Bexar County, or Behar County, right? It's Bear. Um, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. I mean, I don't want to tell Texans how to pronounce their own county name but uh, anyway it did not lead to a reduction in COVID-19 hospitalization rates or deaths the study which was peer-reviewed analyzed data before and after mask mandates were imposed at both the state level and in the county Texas 
fourth largest. Authors of the study, which was reviewed by the U.S. Army Institute of Surgical Research, analyzed the daily average number of COVID-19 cases, hospitalizations, ICU visits, patients on ventilators, and deaths. And they concluded the policy did not reduce any of these metrics. All of the measured outcomes were higher, on average, in the post-mask period, as were co-variables included in the adjusted model, they said. There was no reduction in per-population daily mortality, hospital bed, ICU bed, or ventilator occupancy of COVID-19 positive patients that was attributable to the implementation of a mask-wearing mandate. This is why I keep hammering away at officials who rely on the uh, the percent positive metric and the case count metric. They're not very instructive. They're they're just not. They they're helpful. And they're really helpful if you're trying to whip people into a panic so you can get them to go along with other things. But trying to understand risk, it's not terribly helpful, especially when you know there are other metrics that are out there that you're not giving daily updates on or weekly updates or monthly updates or any updates on. I've never seen the only time you ever hear about um, fatalities associated with COVID is the total death count. And that number is important. I'm not, not I'm not saying it isn't. Although, is it deaths from COVID or with COVID? But I'm not saying ignore the total death toll. I'm not a COVID denier. However, mortality rates, hospital bed numbers, um, ICU bed numbers, and the occupancy rates attached to each of those That's instructive. How many people are on a vent because of COVID? That's instructive. And when those numbers start going up, then everybody should be worried. Everybody should be concerned. Mitigation efforts should be employed. Absolutely. Resources should be marshaled. But simply saying, oh, my gosh, we got 5,000 people across the state in, in beds, you know, in hospital beds. Like these numbers are just they're they're attached to nothing. What's like that's like what a third of the beds? No, a fourth of the beds, almost a fifth of the beds, closer. So one, so four, so for every one bed that's full, there are four that are empty. That's what I'm supposed to take away from that stat. Well, that doesn't sound quite so scary, now does it? The SMJ, by the way, I'm reading from uh, this is a piece that was at uh, FEE.org, which is the Foundation for Economic Education, piece by John Miltimore. And he says the SMJ research results came four months after the CDC published a large-scale study that found there was no statistically significant difference in COVID spread among kids in schools where masks were optional compared to schools where masks were required. That study analyzed roughly 90,000 elementary school students in 169 schools in Georgia in November and December of 2020. Other studies... However, have found masks may reduce the spread of COVID-19. He goes on to say masks uh, or the mandates fall out of the fallout over the mask mandates. He says um, the fallout of the purview of the science, even if research concluded they were effective at reducing the spread. This is the key. There was an economist for folks who aren't aware. His name was Ludwig von Mises. He was sort of the well, he is the founder of the Austrian economics uh, school of thought. And he once observed 
In the modern world, science has long been invoked to uh, or by the state to coerce and dictate the actions of individuals. Which is true. Science has been invoked by the government, by the state, to coerce. Quote, the planners pretend that their plans are scientific and that there cannot be disagreement with regard to them among well-intentioned and decent people. He wrote this in 1947 in an essay called Planned Chaos. But science cannot answer moral questions or provide answers in the realm of subjective value judgments. It cannot tell us what we should or what we must do. Quote, there is no such thing as a scientific ought, he says. He echoed the famous argument by the philosopher David Hume, saying science is competent to establish what is. But that's it. Science can establish what is, not what ought. Much of the debate surrounding COVID-19 stems from the fact that public health officials have overstepped the boundaries of science. Instead of making public health recommendations based on scientific evidence, the state has begun to use the power of the law to coerce individuals into actions. This is why you're seeing pushback on the mandates. This is the issue. Science doesn't tell us what ought, what we should do or must do. That's not the purpose of science. That's public policy. This has been my beef from the beginning when I talk about the other side of the ledger. When people are like, and the county commissioners, they gave themselves a pat on the back for this a couple weeks ago. They were like, hey, look at us. We're fantastic. We've adopted every single thing that the health experts, you know, Gibby Harris, the health director, everything that our public health team told us to do, we did. Is that the proper course? You're supposed to be weighing all of the inputs. You're supposed to be looking at the costs. And I understand these are tough choices, but turning all of these decisions over to one group of people that claim the science and data dictate certain policy prescriptions. That's not, that's not appropriate at all. And it never has been. Science cannot answer the moral questions or provide answers in the realm of subjective value judgments. I've said this from the beginning. We as a society are obviously not equipped to have this conversation. We are just not. Got an email here from Don who says, Pete, I'm not a scientist, but I have an engineering and computer science background. A scientific study would require a control group that doesn't wear a mask and another group that wears a mask. Also would need to know how many of both sides are vaccinated. Additionally, the sample size would determine the statistical variance. And if the difference between the two groups is five, but the statistical variance is five, then the two groups are equal in number of cases. The study you're talking about from the county health director says nothing and has no scientific or medical value, in my opinion. Yeah, so this is, I was very interested, Don, I appreciate the uh, the, uh, email. I was interested to hear this uh, report that they were putting together and... I was uh, disappointed, to say the least. John, welcome to the show. Hello, John. Hello, John. Hey. Hey, what's up? Is this Pete? Yes, it is. Is this John? Hey, 
I, w- I wanted to call and um, it, it talk a little bit about the um, hospitalizations and how the health system saying how overwhelmed they are. Okay. So my mother-in-law just came home from a 20-day uh, stay at the hospital, and nobody could go see her. And her, it was uh, her treat—not her treatment, but uh, it was really bad when she got home. And so, my wife, while communicating with the staff at the hospital, kept hearing how overwhelmed they were. And my wife's background is, is a 28-year practicing nurse in RN. Okay. And she, so she asked, how many patients do you have? Sorry, asked well, they what? Five patients. The nurses. How many patients did each nurse have? Okay. They had five to six patients. Well, that's nothing different than when my wife started 28 years ago. So... I don't know if the younger nurses are thinking that they're hearing how overwhelmed they are, so they think they're overwhelmed, but there's always been a nursing shortage. So I guess I'm just venting a little bit. Well, no, I mean, I think there's there's a level, obviously, of expertise that your wife has there that informs your opinion on this, as it does hers. And if, yeah, if if those numbers are comparable, then that does raise a question as to how we're measuring, quote, overwhelmed. Um, now, maybe it's because there's something to do with the level of protocol that they have to, um, uh, that they've got to abide. You know, when someone is in with COVID, they got to take all these extra precautions and stuff. They got to isolate and, them and, and everything that, else. And, and that very well could be. Yeah. But what was infuriating is that my wife's seeing 40 to 50 COVID patients a day at the peak in, a, in an urgent care, but yet they wouldn't let her come and see her mother. Yeah. It, it's just, it was my, it was, and then whenever they released her, she should have went to a rehab, but my wife couldn't go in and assess the situation. And so now my wife has spent two weeks with her mom, and she's not getting any. I'm bed, sorry. You know, to, Twenty days for a 76 year old. Yeah. In a in a bed didn't do do her well. No, no. And I'm I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, prayers for you and your uh, your family, your wife and your uh, your mother in law. That's well. Thank you. No. I just wanted to call and vent a little bit about. Yeah. That. No. I hear you. I hear you. I'm I'm sorry to hear that. And um, thank you for the insight and the information, John. Appreciate the call. Have a good weekend. And uh, no, our our thoughts and our prayers are are with you and your family. It's. It's one of the hardest things is hearing the stories. I told this before. It's uh, we had friends um, who have had a uh, family member in a hospital in, a, in a, well, I'm sorry, not a hospital, a uh, long-term care facility, and he is suffering from dementia, and he could not understand what he kept asking was, "What did I do wrong? Why people were not being allowed to see him?" You know, and at some point. You know, you got to ask yourself: Are you are you living, or are you just waiting to die? Because that's that's not living. And um, I don't know. I think there are a lot of people who got some of their risk assessment perspective out of whack. Uh, let me go over here to Steve. Hello, Steve. Hello. Welcome to the show. What's up? Hey, um, I'll just make a quick statement, and then I'll pose a question. Okay. okay. 
And I, I hear these uh, I hear these sort of shows, and, and y'all ascribe some fairly nefarious uh, motives on the part of these medical folks who are advising people like Cooper and those folks on, you know, what to do. Uh, I mean, early in the pandemic, it was, you know, people didn't know exactly how this thing worked, right? Mm-hmm. True. I and said the same I, thing. Okay. So, uh, and, and, you know, as to the study you referred to, I hadn't read it, but I do know there were a lot of engineering type studies that, that studied uh, distribution of, of molecules that were being carried by water vapor and that. Yeah. So, you know, th- these, these folks were, uh, so my statement is, um, I don't see any of the medical folks involved in this as having any intent other than according to their Hippocratic or nursing oaths, which is to take care of people. I mean, mm-hmm. I was in healthcare, and this is this is my dog in the hunt. I was in healthcare for forty-five or fifty years. Mm-hmm. I was there from the finance and the IT standpoint, but that's all about process, mm-hmm. right? And I got I was deeply involved with nurses and doctors, and I've seen hospitals spend millions of dollars to save uh, a few patients mm-hmm. and we've killed as many people or not we but you know the virus has killed as many people in a day or two as died in uh you know at, at 9-11 right every day we were we were losing three thousand or more people and we're still losing a couple of thousand people a day mm-hmm. so i think it's really really unfair to ascribe nefarious intent to medical people who do nothing but save people every day all right so hang on before i before you ask your question you've made your statement which i uh, so i I will ask you a follow-up to your statement what was the nefarious intent that i ascribed well you're you're saying you i mean you the, the the imputing is that the um, that mass mandates and vaccine mandates, and you hadn't been talking about vaccines. I don't no, I so. didn't actually talk about that. So let's just stick to the thing I did talk about. Yeah, Tell me what motive mandate. I ascribed. Sure. Well, I, I, they, you didn't actually say anything. You just said uh-huh. that you, you 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 quoted von Mises uh-huh. and 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 a and a and an implication that the mass mandates were were about controlling people. I didn't say that. Well, you you read it. Didn't you read a quote from von Mises? I did. Okay. Well, so so in my mind, and I'm not a dumb guy. You don't sound <laughs> like one. But I heard an implication that the that that the public health initiatives have been promulgated over the last couple of years had a nefarious intent other than to save That's people. Your, no, see now, Steve, you've now taken a leap and ascribed to me something that I've not said. You're assuming some. Uh, you're assuming an argument and projecting it onto me. I've never made that argument. I've rejected well, that, that argument. I've actually said I the would, very thing. Okay, I would I would be interested to see because we have thirty to forty percent of our population actually in Mecklenburg County. We have only sixty four percent of the folks that are vaccinated. I know we're not talking about vaccines. Yeah, so let's stick to cause, a, Steve because I'm running out of time. I only have now a minute with you, so I wanted to okay. I wanted to hear though what your what your accusation was specifically on how I ascribed a nefarious intent, and what you have said is that I did not. You didn't hear it. You just heard things, and you assumed that I was trying to say something that I didn't say. Look, if I'm going to if I'm going to ascribe motive to somebody, I'm going to do it. You're gonna it will be clear. I try not to do that. I make a point not to do that. I believe that people who are in the medical profession, they are presenting 
their own opinions and their anecdotes and their evidence, they're coming to that to the table with their perspective. No doubt about it. And they're trying to save lives. But we all can't live life based on their recommendations alone. That's why we have elected leaders, and that's why we're not governed by doctors. That's why. Because there are other inputs to consider. That's what von Mises was talking about. I didn't ascribe motive. I appreciate the call, though. Um, and have a great weekend, everybody. Thanks so much for hanging out. Thanks for listening. I do appreciate that. Remember, Brett Winterbull coming up right now, and uh, we'll see you Monday. Don't break anything while I'm gone.